Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. So, um, last week we began a, um, uh, a look at the book of Jonah, you'll remember, and um, I've kind of called this uh, series on Jonah um, a story about the kindness of God, or, or, or to put it another way, God is kinder than you think. And uh, um, as I've been sort of... Uh, kind of preparing and wrestling with that truth, there probably is this prayer in me um, for us uh, as a church, but also for us as individuals, that, that you know, we, si- we sing such wonderful songs here. I love, I love the songs that we sing that speak of the kindness and the grace of God and the mercy of God, and, and we come approach God boldly and all those things. And when you're in the moment, it's, you feel it. Don't you? You can feel it in the moment of worship. You can feel that for yourself. And then when you walk out the door and you go home, sometimes by the time you get home, you've forgotten it or you don't remember it. And as the week goes on, you forget. (laughs) God's kind. You you just forget it. And so my, my prayer is that we will be a people that don't just believe and know this truth when we gather together on a Sunday or in a small group, but that you in your life will know, not just knowledge in your head, but in your experience, God is kind. He's kinder than I thought he was. He's more merciful than I realised. Because if you get there with that, that truth, um, what you will do is you will look to God more. Yeah, if you think about it, if you realise someone is nicer than you thought they were, or oh my goodness, I didn't realise that person was like that, you you look to them more. You you're, you're more inclined to be drawn to them. And the other thing you'll do if you get that truth about God's kindness to you is you will trust Him more. Yeah. So fundamentally, you'll do those two things if you realise that God is kinder than you thought He was, that He's not out there distant that he's not trying to trip me up, he's not judging me all the time, uh, you, you will respond to him differently. You'll look to him more. And you'll see that in this particular part of the story of Jonah, that that's what happens. And just uh, to remind you, the key verse of this uh, account, we're going to go through the chapters, but the key verse and the reason we have the book of Jonah, really, is Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, after God... Um, um, uh, forgives the Ninevites for all their wickedness and their sin. Rather than being happy, as you might imagine Jonah to be, Jonah's really angry. And he says to God, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Now, he doesn't say that with, you know, joy in his heart. He says that he's angry. I knew that's what you were like. 
slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So there's this thing that, that Jonah reacts to the kindness of God. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't embrace it at this moment. He reacts to it. He's out there. He's not very happy. And God expresses his kindness and his compassion to Nineveh. And it's my belief that in the world today, there are cities like Nineveh. There are places where, if you like, um, their sin, their evil, their wickedness goes up to God. And what God does, what God does is he doesn't immediately banish them and punish them like you might imagine. His first response is to send a prophet or to send a prophetic people to give them the opportunity to repent. And Jonah knew that's what was going on when he went to Nineveh. I spoke last week that the story, for all we think of Jonah and the whale, it's not ultimately about the fish. The fish is obviously there, but that's just the means by which God does some other things. It's a real story. It's not a myth. I talked about that because it's a story we believe by faith. It's a historical account in the Bible. And that even Jesus speaks of Jonah and the sign of Jonah, the fact that Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And he went in there, if you like, he died, and then he rises again. And he speaks of it as an example, as a sign to people. So today we are going to look at Jonah chapter 2, and Abby once again is going to come and read for us. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for your help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me from you, barred me forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Father, I thank you for your word, for it is life unto our souls. Lord, as the song said, we are prone to wonder, we are prone to leave the God we love. And Lord, Jonah was prone to wonder. But Lord, as the song also says, it says that, Father, that you will seal our hearts, that you will seal our hearts in your courts. Lord, I pray that as we hear the message you have for your people today, 
that you will seal our hearts for you, that you will seal your word in our hearts, and that we would know that we can dwell in your presence every moment of every day. Amen. So we heard there that God provided a fish and from within the fish Jonah prays. But that prayer that he prays from within the fish is really a reflection of what's just happened to him, isn't it? Because he, he talks about, um, you know, I was, uh, I was going down to the depths, into the very heart of the seas. The current swelled about me. I've been banished from your sight. So all of that he's feeling when he goes into the sea and I I just want to imagine for a moment what it must have been for Jonah to have been thrown overboard last week we looked at uh, the fact that uh, really he was caught out he had run away from God and um, in his running he had sort of hidden himself in the sort of hull of the ship and he was trying to sort of you know he was sleeping and just resting and taking it easy and uh, he gets caught out God comes to him in that place and then he ends up being thrown over by the sailors uh, uh, the, the, the side of the ship and Jonah must have thought at that point I don't know what you imagine I mean I don't do the sea very well in, in any way shape or form I don't do boats very well I don't even do paddling very well I don't I don't do the sea but you must you can imagine Jonah going overboard that ship thinking to himself my sin has cost me my life this is it this is it at best he must have thought maybe maybe God will calm the sea maybe that's what God will do he'll calm the sea the last thing that would have been in his head that God would have sent a fish yeah he wouldn't have thought well maybe God will send a fish and it won't eat me it will just swallow me he wouldn't have thought that no one would have thought at this point there's no evidence previous to this moment that God used fish in this kind of way yeah and Jonah knew his bible he knew what they knew back then but he's thrown into the sea and in that moment of absolute distress and hopelessness that's when he prays yes it says he prays in the belly of the fish but he prayed before that he prayed before that as you and I would pray if we were in a moment of absolute distress or hopelessness you would pray that's what you would do yeah prayer is the most significant thing you can do as a Christian yeah because that's communication with God there is no other natural way of communicating with God and prayer makes a difference because prayer changes things there's nothing to say that God was always going to save Jonah had Jonah not prayed. Yeah, but Jonah prayed. We know, we know the sailors were, 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 were saved because they called out to God. Jonah prays in a moment of absolute distress and helplessness. God, help me. I don't know if you've ever done that. I've had occasions, not, not, not loads of occasions where I've been in in a moment of absolute distress, I said, God help me. God help me. And that's where Jonah was. He was about to die. 
There was nothing Jonah could do, and we need to get this, there was nothing he could do to change the situation. He wasn't, when they threw him over, he didn't try and turn it into a dive. Yeah, it's not like they threw him over and he thought, I'll just do a tight double tight and then I'll be in and then I'll just swim to shore. He didn't think that. He thought, this is it. He couldn't help himself. There was nothing he could do. He thought, this is the end. If God, the God of the land and the sea, doesn't come to me now, this is it. And we need to understand that when we come to God, particularly when you're saved, but also in your Christian life, it's like that. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. And the biggest problem that some Christians have is they think there is things they can do. It's almost like Jonah could have said, before you throw me over, just give me a, you know, a life ring or some, or some armbands. And I'll just like wait there. There's nothing he could do. And when you come to God, there's nothing you can do. If you get that, when you do come to God, you have a very different attitude than if you come to God thinking that you, brought, you did something to help yourself. Because you'll always think you can add to God when you can't. You'll always think you can do that. So Jonah comes, uh, God provides a fish in that moment. And do you know what? God always provides what is needed. You might not think it, but God always provides what is needed. So if you feel there's a lack in your life, in your experience, you just might need to look again and go, I begin with this truth. God always provides what is needed. And then I look at myself, I look at my circumstances, I look at my situation. God won't leave you lacking. So God provides a fish. Secondly, in providing the fish, he answers Jonah's prayer. Now, as I said, Jonah didn't pray for a fish because he had no idea that God used fishes in that kind of way. But he prayed for help. Yeah, He just prays for help. And God comes to him, saves him, and then when he's in the belly of the fish, his prayer is one of thanksgiving. How often are we having prayers of thanksgiving after months of distress and difficulty. Are you turning to God and being thankful? Are you able to look back on your life, whether it's a year, two years, or however long a period, and you can see what God has done and you say, God, I'm grateful. Okay, in this moment, there's some stuff going on that is difficult for me, but I look back, God, and I say, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what you've done. I'm grateful for the way you've done. I'm grateful for your mercy towards me. Because do you know what I've discovered, and this is my own personal discovery, my own personal journey, I've, I've discovered that God is kinder. Yeah? I've discovered that for myself. I've discovered that when I look back on my life and I look back on situations that I've been in and I look at situations I've been in recently, I say, God, your kindness is more than I ever imagined. You are just kinder than I thought. Yeah? Now also, I'm more fearful of you than I thought because you are the God of all the earth. So when God comes to Jonah, life and death are in the, are in the mix. It's not like as a parent when you go to your child and you tell them off. Yeah, and the child's like, oh, okay. No, when, when God comes to you, it's a life and death thing because he's God. 
because he has the power. God answers Jonah's prayer and Jonah expresses deep gratitude. And we see that, he talks about, he remembers God and he talks about, and he's in the belly of the fish when he says this, remember, he says, I will look again to your holy temple. And that's really interesting because it was his turning his back on the temple that started it all. God had spoken to Jonah. Jonah turned his back from the God who spoke and he went his own way and he did his own thing. Yeah, he was disobedient to God. He ignored God. And do you know what? It's the one thing that God gets provoked about, that God's offended when we're disobedient, when we turn our back on him. Jonah turns his back on him. He goes away. But God goes after him. And in the belly of the fish, Jonah acknowledges, I will look again at the God, at the place where you speak, the place where you dwell. I'll look again upon the temple. And he says that from the belly of the fish. In truth, that's a, that's a statement of faith. Because Jonah doesn't know what's going to happen next. It's not clear. He doesn't get into the fish. And there's a letter there that says, Jonah, we're just going to you know, have a few days in here and then I'm going to send you off again. He doesn't say that. Jonah's just in the belly of the fish. And he says, I'll look again. Out of faith, I'll look again. And then he says this really interesting phrase. And the, the phrase is most interesting in the NIV. In other texts, it's, it has it slightly different. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be there. I've always wrestled with that. I've, I've always liked that phrase, but I thought, I don't know, it's a great phrase. It's a great little saying, those that cling to work inside me forfeit the grace that could be there. And as I've thought about that and prayed about that, Jonah's got a real point about forfeiting grace. Forfeiting grace. Because the truth is, you can cling to something and it says at the beginning of Jonah that all the sailors prayed to their gods remember it says that they pray to their gods but unless you're praying to the living God it's like a pointless exercise yeah. I found this quote from Francis Bacon money is a great servant but a bad master money is a great servant but a bad master. You see, if money is your God, then you're in trouble. Because although you think to yourself, well, with money I can get all this stuff, I can pursue it, it can give me a comfortable life, money shows no mercy. Yeah? Once money's got hold of you, it shows no mercy. Yeah? If you want to give up, if you, if you recognise you've made a mistake, it's too late with money. Money has no ability to extend grace to you. Money doesn't love you. You might love money, you might give all your stuff to money, but money doesn't love you back. Money, in fact, fills you with false dreams and hopes. It gives you the impression that the more money you have, the better you'll feel. And then you meet people who've got lots of money and you think, oh, you're not any happier than me. You're not any more satisfied in life than I am, though you've got lots of money. 
Money is a great servant, but a bad master. You can cling to worthless idols. You can cling to things that appear to give you what you're desiring. I mean, Sarah prayed about this idea of seeking affirmation and, and really identity in things other than God. You can cling to stuff. You can cling to the fact that you're well-educated. You can cling to the fact that you've got a good name or you're good-looking or whatever it is. You can cling to the fact that you're fit and healthy and all those kinds of things, but you discover that those who cling to worthless idols, things that can't give anything back, you forfeit grace. Now, why do you forfeit grace? Because if you come to God, grace is available to you. If you don't come to God, you forfeit it. It's not available. God's grace is not just out there and you can pick it up anywhere. If you come to God, grace and mercy and kindness is available to you. Anyone who comes, it's available to you. You forfeit it when you choose, I'm not going to go to God, I'm going to go to something else. I think I can get the same from this thing as I get from God. But you can't. You see, some of those sailors may well have worshipped the sea. yeah. But the truth is, when Jonah was thrown into the sea, had God not come to him, the the sea wouldn't have saved him. The sea would have just taken him. Because there's no mercy in the sea. The sea is not a living thing that has mercy and has grace and extends love. But God is like that. So don't cling to things that are worthless. Don't think to yourself that money is the thing that you need or a good education. Even education, even we can get caught up in thinking education is the thing. Well, that's the thing to get, to get in this life. Get a good education, you'll be okay. How many people do you know who've got a good education who aren't okay? And how many people do you know who don't have an education who are doing really well? Yeah? Education is not the thing. It's a great servant, but it's a bad master. It's a bad master. The only thing you can really trust upon in terms of where will I put all my identity and my energy, where will I put all my, all my worship, is in God. Anything else will enslave you. Nothing else will show you mercy like God showed to Jonah. Nothing else can do that. Either because it just can't, because it's just not alive, or because in reality we're sinful people. We are not naturally merciful. God is merciful. Regardless of what you think, what you've read in the Bible, and you go, well, what about those stories when God... Regardless of all those thoughts, God is merciful. He is merciful gracious and he is kind and he doesn't just say that in the new testament it's not like well if you go to the new testament you can kind of see oh yeah maybe god is merciful these words that jonah quotes he doesn't it wasn't like jonah was the first person to say that god you are gracious and compassionate you go back to deuteronomy god says of himself the lord is gracious and compassionate he is slow to anger and abounding in love god has always been merciful He has always been kind. And you know what? We need to get that. Because some of us still think God isn't quite merciful. Or maybe, oh no, I think I might have upset him. That's why all these bad things are happening. I think I might have upset him. God doesn't function like that. He's not a kid. He doesn't react like a child. He's merciful. Don't cling 
to worthless idols. And that applies, it definitely applies if you don't know God. But you know what it can apply when you do know God? Because we can cling to stuff. We can quickly, quickly get caught up in things that become our identity, that become our, our security. Even the things that God has given us, we can get caught up in them so they become something to us that they're not meant to be. You can find it in God. You really can. And Jonah discovered that. He was able to access God's mercy. And then it's interesting because he'd been disobedient, he'd gone away, but then there comes a point where, where really he, he's very thankful to God because of what God's done. And he makes these vows. And, and again, in the moment of desperation, have you ever done this? You've made promises. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I, I, I remember one occasion when I prayed, I was, um, I, I, I can't remember what had happened. I was, I was working for the CPS and, and I was preaching at church and we had three kids and so I was pretty busy. And I, I remember getting up really early for 10 days in a row. And by the 10th day, I remember waking up and um, almost like my head was spinning. And I, I thought, what is happening to me? My head was, it felt like the room was spinning. And I remember went and got in the bath and I said, I said to God, I said, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do that again. I'll never, I'll never, never do it again. I'll never, I'll never, you know, make that decision again. I'll never do it. Yeah, I was making all these little promises to God because I was in a desperate situation. And Jonah, no doubt, when he was in the, both in the fish, but certainly when he was in the sea, made promises, oh God, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. If you, if you, you just get me out of this, I'll do it. And the amount of times you hear people who come to God on the basis of they get to rock bottom and they say to God, if you will get me out of this, I will follow you. Lots of people come to God that way. And Jonah just confirms, I will make good on my vow. I will do what I've been asked. Now we're going to find out other lessons that he needs to learn. But at this point, he acknowledges that. And he also acknowledges what we've said at the beginning. Salvation belongs to and again if that is true the best thing that we can do when it comes to reaching people who need to know God is to pray for them that's the best thing you can do you can do other things you can invite them to church and you can talk to them but the best thing you can do is to pray for them because ultimately salvation belongs to the Lord it doesn't belong to you it belongs to him and when a situation is hopeless, God intervenes. So what you find in this story is in, from chapter 1 to chapter 2 is I think Jonah ends up with a new perspective on God. Jonah knew God. Yeah? He knew God before he, he ever ran away. In fact, he knew God well. He had been a successful prophet in Israel. But I think this situation gives him a new perspective on God. Because I don't know that Jonah would have known for himself, God pursues you. When he was disobedient, I think the last thing he expected was for God to turn up on that ship. When he's with the sailors, I think that was the last thing he expected. The last thing he expected was for his sin to be exposed. God pursued him. 
And if he did know that, this must have been a deep and oh man, I didn't realise God was quite like that. God pursues me. Secondly, he discovered God is able. How on earth did he save me from the ocean? How did he do that? I never would have expected to survive that. How did God do that? God is able. God pursues us. God is able. Which means he's powerful to save. He's powerful to change your situation. And thirdly, he realised, but he must have known this, God saves. God saves. And Jonah had come to these conclusions that Jonah, he had a new perspective on God. And you know what I think? That sometimes we need to have a new perspective on God. Or more the question, are we open to a new perspective on God? It's not really new, it's like a deeper revelation. The challenge that we have can be twofold. Firstly, really for many of us our faith doesn't extend beyond what we see faith in other people. So we live in a world where we see Christianity function in a particular kind of way and we don't have any faith beyond that. I mean sometimes even that is bigger than what we know but we don't have any faith beyond that. We just think oh yeah it'd be great if that happened that happened to us, if that happened in our church, if we saw that. Oh, when I was in another church, this happened, and oh, oh, I have faith for that kind of thing. Secondly, and that can sometimes hamper us. That can sometimes hamper us. The second thing that can hamper you is fear. Yeah? You don't have a new perspective of God because you've got too many fears. And in the end, when I talk about my prayer for you leaving this place and going out is what happens almost metaphorically and in the spirit is as you walk out the door you pick up again your your limited faith and you pick up again your fears and you go well th- th- you know and you and you go out and you're thinking oh yeah yeah that's true but you know I still think that God might not do because I these things probably these things I worry about and you never break through your fear So it's hard to have a new perspective on God when you are fearful about stuff. And I don't mean that you walk around going, I'm really fearful about anything. But you live and have accommodated fears. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't, no, I don't. I just, no, that doesn't happen in my situation. No, I won't go there because I'm frightened of it. No, you never articulate that, but that is what you do. That is what we all do. And so sometimes we're unable to see how much God wants to do because of our fears and because of just our cultural perspective on things. We compare ourselves to others. Yeah? So even sometimes I'll talk to my kids and they'll be talking about their exams and and they got a certain mark, but everyone else got a lower mark. Their mark wasn't great, but it was better than everyone else's. And so they're okay. Yeah? Well, you know, everyone else. And sometimes we do that, so we settle. I remember hearing Rick Warren, Rick Warren, who wrote the book Purpose Driven Life, uh, leads a large church. His, his church came out of a denomination. And I remember hearing him say these words. He said, If I, he said, he decided he wasn't going to do this. If I had compared my church to others in my denomination, 
I would have settled for 200 people. Yeah? Had he compared his church to other churches around him that were like him, he would have settled for 200 people. Because that was twice as big as anyone else. Well, he made a decision, I'm not going to do that. And instead he led a church of 25,000 people. So sometimes we have to take away that comparison because we live in a new world, take away that comparison and go, well, oh, well, this is what normally happens in church. No, no, let's not do the this is what normally happens in church. Let's try and function by faith. Let's try and live by what the Bible says, not by, not by what we think. Because had Jonah simply lived by what he thought, he would have died. Yeah, because it'd be like, oh, well, I'm in the chain. No one gets safe from the city. But actually, God can do things that are way beyond what you would ever imagine. And God is willing to do stuff that's way beyond whatever, whatever you imagine. He's willing. He wants to. And the reason I say this, there's two reasons really. One is, I believe that what God has for us here in Brixton requires a new perspective we're not going to do it simply based on a collection of all our old thoughts about how church runs. Yeah? In some ways, it's already gone out the window. Yeah? If you were to talk to those that have been in Beacon all the time, say, oh yeah, it doesn't run like a normal church. Yeah, we've all been to churches and this isn't quite like, yeah, this is a little bit harder, there's a bit more stuff, and you work, you know. Yeah? You're not going to think about it. If you think about it as you know church, then this isn't going to match up to what you think. And in fact, you're going to think, oh, that really worth it. Yeah? It requires us to have a new perspective, to not compare ourselves to how other churches do it and have done it, but to simply go, Lord, what are you saying to us? Because what you're saying to us is what we want to do, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of whether it fits. Regardless of whether I can, I can put it somewhere in my mind, I can go, oh yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember changing. Now, regardless of any of that, we want to do what you would like us to do. But it also, so it applies very much to us as a church, and that's why I say, but you know what, it also applies to you as an individual. It applies to you because I said many of us have cultural limitations that we put upon ourselves. We have fears that we live by. That means we only never make this. And we just, so it's like we hit the ceiling. And it's not no one else has put the ceiling there, we've put the ceiling there. And we just keep hitting it. And what we do is we just accommodate our faith around the fact that those things are there. And what's required of us is to do something different. And not to think, oh, okay, how can I get that? But what is required of us is to have more faith. And as I say, if God is kinder than you think, you can look to him more. You can trust him more. The moment you want to give up on your prayers is actually the moment you want to really go deeper than your prayers. The moment you think to yourself, oh, it's all going wrong, I, I, you know, how do I get out of this? It's the moment then you get more, you get onto your knees a bit more. It's all going wrong, I need to pray more. That's the answer. It's not, it's all going wrong, oh my goodness, I'm going to give up. It's all going wrong, I need to pray more. Because I believe that God, God's kindness and mercy is towards me. 
He's always doing new things with people he trusted. Always. And it's not that you're trying to rewrite the Bible. We're not talking about that. Or, well, you know, we're going to add some pages. No, we're not talking about that at all. But we are talking about God has plans and purposes if you would but trust him. When Elijah prayed for no rain, there could have come a point where he thought, well, I don't recall this happening before. Certainly not in my lifetime. So I might pray, and if it doesn't happen, that's fine. At least I've prayed, and you know, at least I've been there. If Elijah hadn't called upon God for no rain, there would not have been no rain. It required him to pray, and it requires you to pray. If you're in a situation you think, God, I, I want to get out of this, I want to change this, I want to. Part of it might be activity, but a lot of it is prayer, it's coming to God. We need a new perspective. Spurgeon once said, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Asking is the rule of the kingdom. Ask and ye shall receive. It is a rule that never will be altered in anybody's case. And sometimes I wish, oh God, don't you sit in there? Can't we just do stuff? Why do I need to pray? Why do I, you know? But asking is the rule of the kingdom. And there are loads of examples. Loads of stories. You think of the unjust judge and the widow that just persists and he goes there and goes there. So just finishing on Jonah. Jonah in chapter 2 comes to that place where He encounters God in the fish. He sees God's kindness to him. God saves him. He doesn't deserve it necessarily. He's been disobedient to God, but God saves him. And this morning, God wants to save you. He wants to save you. And it might be that it's for the first time that you need to respond to him, or it might be that you just need to come again and say, God, I need to recognize, I repent, that I have not always trusted you with me. I trust me with me, and I trust you with some stuff. But we need to get to that place where we recognize, oh no, God will not let me down. God is not out to trick me or trap me, but rather God's kindness comes to me and is there to help. Let's pray. And we're gonna we're gonna sing a song just for come up. But let's just have a moment. Quietly, on your own, just contemplating, thinking, praying. Just begin to ask God now to give you a deeper understanding of that truth of his kindness towards you. His mercy towards you that salvation belongs to him and him alone. And that all our efforts do not add anything to what he has done. And you need to get that. Deep in your spirit, you need to get that. Your efforts don't add anything 
to what he has done. Just as Jonah could do nothing to save himself, we can do nothing to save ourselves. Just begin to pray. Just begin to, maybe you're thanking him for his kindness to you. Maybe you're repenting because you know you've been independent. We're going to sing a song together just in, uh, as, as in, in response. And we don't do this uh, every week, but I, I just feel to do it. But if you want prayer this morning, then uh, while we're singing, you can come out and I can pray for you, or Phil or one of the other leaders, we can pray for you if you want that. Um, we're not going to prolong it, we're not going to make a big thing of it, but if you want it, then just come out whilst we're singing this final song, and then in a few moments we'll. Um, I'll just pray to close the meeting. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.